Good morning, good morning. We welcome you again to Roanoke-Salem Missionary Baptist Church in Garrysburg, North Carolina, just outside the municipality of Garrysburg, located in beautiful Northampton County. We welcome you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and we're so happy and we're so honored and humbled that you would make time to uh, participate in our broadcast here on this second Sunday morning in the month of August uh, in the year of our Lord 2020. want to wish a happy birthday to all of you born in the month of August, whether you were born at the beginning of the month or whether your birthday is somewhere towards the end, we just wish you a happy birthday. We ask that the Lord Jesus continue to richly bless you, and we pray that you will put your confidence and your trust in Jesus Christ, especially during these challenging days. I also certainly want to remind everyone that it's so important that we participate uh, and fulfill what I believe is our civic obligation by completing the 2020 U.S. Census. Uh, for those of you who are members of Roanoke Salem, or even if you're not a member, if you go to our platforms, if you go to our Facebook page, if you go to our rsnbc.com page, uh, you will see information on how to fill out the census. One opportunity for you is to call uh, this number, and you can complete the census during a phone call. That number is 1-844-330-2020. Or you can go online and you can use this web link. It is my2020census.gov. My 2020, the numbers 2020, census.gov. So important that you do that. Uh, it affects you directly where you live in terms of the monies that will come into your state and your county and even down into your town or municipality. So please make sure you do that. And of course, we also want to encourage you to make sure that you are legally registered to vote uh, in the November general election please contact uh, your local uh, voting office um, and make sure, voter registration office, uh, uh, board of elections, we call it, make sure that you are registered to vote uh, in the 2020 election. Let us now go to the Lord in prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, we are grateful again that you've blessed us to see the beginning of a new week. And Lord, we trust you with our lives and we trust you uh, to use the body of Christ to continue to be a blessing and a help and an encouragement to the entire world. Help people everywhere, whether they're saved or unsaved, Lord Jesus, because you are no respecter of persons when it comes to your willingness to help everyone. And we ask now that you use me to preach this message with clarity and conviction and that you be glorified and people's lives be positively changed. In your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. Our scripture today comes from the Gospel of St. John, the Gospel of St. John, chapter 2, and we're going to uh, take a little time to look at verses 1 through 6. St. John, chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. This is from the New International Version of the Bible, which is what I like to use uh, most of the time in my preaching and teaching. And this is what it says. 
beginning at verse 1. On the third day, a wedding took place in Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, yes, the Bible did say wine. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. And then finally, verse 6. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremony watching, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Let me go one further to verse 7. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. I want to just use for a few minutes, and I pray that we will uh, let us reason together from this thought, a divine override. A divine override. A lot of our young people, and I don't want to assume that you don't, but it wouldn't surprise me if a lot of young people are not familiar with the word override. Um, let me give you a, a definition. Webster's Dictionary says to override means to, to set something aside. Uh, in other words, when there is an override, that means that something is being undone. Something is being removed. Something is being completely stopped. To override means to make a change from what is to something different. To override means to make a change from what is to something different. An example that readily comes to mind, um, it may not be this way anymore because of modern technology, but not so many years ago, if you went into a store, any store, restaurant, grocery shopping, whatever, and, and you, you were purchasing an item, if the person using that cashier, if the, using that cash register, if, if that person happened to put in the wrong amount or they overcharged you or they didn't get the tax exactly right, they forgot to add your tax, whatever they might do in terms of when they put something into that register, if it was incorrect, they would have to do what's called an override. Sometimes, many times, the cashiers themselves were trained to do the override. Sometimes they would have to call a manager. In some stores, the policy is that somebody who has a manager position has to come and do the override. But, but when they do that, what they do is they, 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 they set aside, they, they undo, they, they remove, they, they stop the transaction that's in the register, and then they do something else. One of the things that this COVID-19 pandemic has done is bring people together. Now, we still have a lot of unique differences, but the pandemic has shown us how much we all really have in common. And, and all human beings are vulnerable to become sick or even possibly die from COVID-19. Even with scientists uh, around the world working 24 hours a day, seven days a week, to find a cure or, or, or at least a vaccine, our present situation, our present reality is that this pandemic 
is killing people, over 161,000 here in the United States alone. That's the most recent figure. Over 161,000 Americans have died because of COVID-19. So, so COVID-19 is killing people. It's, it's devastating the national economy, and it has completely destroyed the, the daily routines and the special moments for people around the world. Folks who were planning to go on vacation, some of them couldn't do that this year because of COVID-19. People who were planning to get married, some of them couldn't get married this year because of COVID-19. We know about high school and college graduation ceremonies and and all kinds of festivities that we like to do for folks who are graduating, you know, cookouts and other types of events. Can't happen, have not happened because of COVID-19. And even now that the school year has started back in most of our states across the nation, there's still a disruption. The routine is no longer the same because People are not sure, parents are not sure, students are not sure, school officials are not sure whether or not they should send kids back to school or whether they should keep them home. All of these things have been changed by COVID-19. Most of the people I know are, they're praying or or they're hoping or they're believing for a change to come. But, But here's the problem. The problem is that at the rate things are going now, the world needs a change sooner rather than later. And I think all of us, or most of us, would agree that's the desperate situation we're in. We need a change sooner rather than later. We need this pandemic and its problems to be undone. We need for the pandemic and its problems to be removed. We need for this pandemic and its problems to be completely stopped. I believe the world needs a divine override. And I know Jesus Christ is the only one who can make it happen. The Gospel of St. John chapter 2 reveals the story of Jesus' first public miracle. Jesus and his mother and his 12 apostles were at a wedding feast when the wine runs out. Now this is an embarrassing situation for the bridegroom's family because they're responsible for that. So, so Mary, who is Jesus' mother, she, she comes to him and she shares the bad news. Jesus doesn't seem to be concerned at all about the problem. In fact, he basically asks his mother, why is she bringing this issue to him? But many of us know that when our mothers are decided, when they are determined that they want us to do something, They just simply ignore all of our objections, and they have a special way. Mothers have a special way of of, of coercing us into doing what they want us to do. Mary didn't even pay attention to Jesus' mild rebuke. She didn't pay what he said any attention. After she spoke to him, she just turned and looked at the servants standing by, and she told them to do whatever Jesus said they should do. What I find fascinating about this story is that Mary had confidence in two things. Number one, she knew that Jesus was able to fix the problem. And number two, Mary was confident that Jesus was going to fix the problem because she brought it to him. Let me remind us that Mary knew that this man she called her son was not really her son. When she was still a young, young and, and, and a virgin, young teenage girl, uh, an angel had come to Mary and told her that she had been chosen 
by God the Father to be the birth mother of his only begotten son. Amen. Mary knew that Jesus had wisdom and authority and, a, and power from God. And Mary knew that Jesus could override a bad situation and turn it into a great situation for everybody involved. My, my prayer is that everybody who sees or hears this message will come to have the same confidence in Jesus Christ that his mother Mary had in him. The Bible says that Jesus is still alive and well, and he, and he sits on the right hand of God the Father. That's according to Mark chapter 16, verse 19. Jesus still has all power in heaven and on earth and under the earth. That's according to Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. Jesus is still advocating for you and me and for every person that has willingly submitted to his authority. That's according to 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. With everything that all of us are living through right now, sometimes I know we may feel overwhelmed, but, but I do want to tell you that if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you may feel overwhelmed, but you are not defeated. Amen. Let me say that again. If you have a relationship with Jesus, you may feel and you are going to feel overwhelmed at times, but you are not defeated. We're not defeated because Jesus can perform a divine override in every bad situation. And if you look at me again at verses 1 through 10 of St. John chapter 2, I, I want to share four facts that you need to know if you want a divine override in your life. Here's the first fact. We must allow Jesus into our situation. Number one, we must allow Jesus into our situation. Verse two tells us that Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding feast along with his mother. If you want Jesus to help you, if you want Jesus to heal you, you need to allow him to be the Lord of your life. You need to allow him into your space, into your situation. Think about um, the woman at the well. She didn't invite Jesus, but when Jesus approached her, she allowed him to continue to engage her in conversation. And of course, we know ultimately Jesus did an override in her life and turned her life around. Think about the woman with the issue of blood. She didn't uh, directly invite Jesus, but she went seeking Jesus because she wanted to allow him into her situation. And we know that when she touched the hem of his garment, she turned completely around. People need to allow Jesus into your situation. We either invite him into it or we can allow him to be part of our situation. Here's number two. We must listen for Jesus' instruction. We must listen for Jesus' instruction. Verse 5 tells us that Jesus' mother tells the servants to do whatever Jesus said to do. The servants had to listen for Jesus to instruct them. We need to learn, more of us, myself included, we need to learn to listen for Jesus to instruct us. How do we hear Jesus when he's instructing us? Well, first of all, we hear him through God, the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us that 
he comes to dwell within us when we accept Jesus, when we allow him into our lives, then God the Holy Spirit comes to live with us. And God the Holy Spirit supernaturally tells us what Jesus or the Father wants us to know. The Holy Spirit is a gift from Jesus to his followers, according to St. John chapter 14, verses 25 and 26. Another way that we hear Jesus' instruction is by reading his words in the Bible. Amen. Another way for us to hear his instruction is through prayer and the the prayers and the prophecies of another Holy Ghost-filled Christian. Amen. People can pray with us and pray for us or prophesy to us what the Lord wants us to know and give us instruction. But like I said, make sure now it's somebody that you believe is Holy Ghost-filled because as I've heard somebody say, some people don't prophesy, some people prophesize, and you don't want anybody putting anything in your life that's not of the Lord. Here's another way we can hear his instruction. He can instruct us through Christian media. Jesus can instruct us through TV, you know, not only those who have uh, TV ministries, but other types of TV programs that's Christian-based. He can instruct us through radio teaching and, and songs. He can instruct us through movies and podcasts and books and CDs and DVDs. There are so many different ways that Jesus can instruct us if we will only listen to what he's saying. Here's the third fact I want us to know from, uh, from John 2, 1 through 6. Third fact is we must obey Jesus. Verse 7 says that Jesus told the servants what to do and they obeyed him. Amen. Obeying Jesus is the strongest evidence that we love him and that we trust him. He said himself, those who love me keep my commandments. All of us, and let me be very transparent and very real, all of us will have to wrestle with sin in our lives, even after we're saved. Amen now. For those folks who have um, put out that notion that once you get saved and if you're really, really, really a good Christian, you won't commit sin and you'll just live a a holy, spot-free life. That's not true. That's not true, my brothers and sisters, and the Bible doesn't teach that. Even after we get saved, we still will have to wrestle with sin because we have a sin nature. But, But as we are being transformed by the renewing of our minds, which is what Paul wrote in Romans chapter 12, As our minds are being transformed, as we are being transformed by the renewing of our minds, we should not continue to engage in willful, premeditated, unapologetic sin. In other words, we shouldn't just keep rolling like we want to roll just because we have the resources, we're bold enough, or we're bad enough to roll that way, especially when it comes to sin. And you already know what I say sin is, is a very simple definition. If what I think, what I say, and what I do is contrary to God's word, then I'm in sin. Now, you take that and make it and do with that whatever you will. But if what I think and what I say and what I do, if it's contrary to the word of God, then I'm in sin. And after we become saved, uh, and if we're trying to obey Jesus and we're being transformed, We should not continue to live in willful and deliberate sin against the Lord. We need to have faith in Jesus' finished work on Calvary's cross. 
Jesus died to set us free from the pain and punishment of sin. That's according to Romans chapter 6, verses 6 through 11. And that's why we can obey Jesus. Here's the fourth and final fact I want you to know. Jesus always gives us his best. Number four, Jesus always gives us his best. Verses 9, verses 8, 9, and 10 tell us that Jesus told the servants to take the wine that he had made from water to the master of the wedding feast. When the master of the feast drank the new wine, he complimented the bridegroom for saving the best until the end of the feast. Jesus Christ will always do what is best for us. Human beings, we can do good, but Jesus always does the best. Amen. In every situation, God will only do what is best for you. We may not understand it. We may not like it. We may not even agree with him. But if we're trusting him, and after a little while, you'll develop a track record, and you'll know that God always, when Jesus got involved, he always did what was best. Some of us right now can look back over our lives and see where we can say, thank you, Lord, for some things he did not let us have that we wanted some people he did not let us hook up with that we tried to hook up with, some situations we tried to get into that he shut the door and kept us out of. Why? Because now we realize he always does what's best for us. None of us know if or when COVID-19 will go away. We don't know if or when there will be a vaccine to prevent us from catching it. But what we do know is that Jesus can override any negative situation in our lives. There are Christians right now in a, in a nearby county to us uh, who recently lost everything because of a tornado. These folks have lost, some of them have lost everything they had. I mean, literally everything other than their lives because of a tornado. These sisters and brothers in Christ are in anguish and they are in pain. But I want to report this morning that even now, Jesus is using his saints from all over the nation to affect a divine override for his people. God's people will recover. Amen now. And Jesus is so gracious and he's so merciful that he's even going to help some unsaved people recover because of this tornado. Amen. When Jesus does a divine override, we will recover. We will recover spiritually. We will recover emotionally. We will recover mentally. We will recover physically. We will recover financially. Our recovery probably won't happen overnight. Most of the time it doesn't. But if we keep trusting Jesus and keep doing our best to be obedient, he will make that recovery happen. I leave you with this. If your life is not what you want it to be, humble yourself before Jesus Christ. Believe that he has all knowledge, all power, and all authority in heaven and on earth. And then do your best to obey Jesus. Pray for strength in areas in your life where you are weak, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, physically. If you do these things, Jesus will override the sins and the problems in your life. I'm a witness, and I know many of you all are witnesses too. In fact, 
The greatest override that has ever happened for you and me as human beings is when Jesus went to that cross. We deserved to die and all go to hell because of our sins. But Jesus went to that cross. He hung, bled, and died. He went down in a borrowed tomb and got up early on the third day morning that we call Easter now. That was the completion of an override, a divine override. He changed what was, which was our rightful, uh, our rightful uh, punishment to die and go to hell for being sinful people. He changed it from that. He undid it. He stopped it. And he changed it in to us being able to be saved, for us being able to live a holy, sanctified life on this earth, and to us being able to have the promise and assurance of heaven when we die. Oh, I thank the Lord Jesus for being so good. I thank the Lord Jesus for a divine override. You need a divine override in your life today. Give your life to Jesus. Let us pray. Father, now we thank you again for this opportunity to preach and teach your word and just pray, Lord, that people's lives will be positively changed. If there are any listening or watching who are unsaved and they feel the moving of the Holy Spirit, I ask that they will repeat after me to be saved. Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. Please forgive me for my sins. I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you rose from the dead. I ask you now, Jesus, to be my personal Lord and Savior. Jesus is in your name, I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, you are saved. You are not, and if you were sincere about it, and I don't, I don't know if you were sincere, but God knows. If you prayed that prayer and you were sincere, you are now part of the body of Christ, and you have a right to all the promises of God that are recorded in the Bible. Be blessed. And now may the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the sweet communion of his Holy Spirit, rest, rule, and abide with us henceforth and forevermore. Amen.